and he has no store and no yeah. girlfriend and he's living in a basement like Cordax no that that in my head and I, I'm the boss of this book so right. this is what happens that other reality ceases to exist they all go back and they all end up super happy I am Zoe this is the book house podcast hi mom Thank you guys all so much for coming to our episode of the Book Host Podcast with our lovely guest author, Kate Robb. Thank you to Kate for being here. We are so excited to discuss. Um, our book club really, really loved this book. I just oh, want good. to you know, like, we had every single person was in attendance, like all 30 people showed up and everyone, like all of the photos that I have from it, everybody is just cackling because we were just having such a fun time. So yeah. it's funny. There was a book club. Um, was it, it was either last weekend or the weekend before they had their meeting at a bar in Chicago. And I did just a little um, video for them mm-hmm. and they were the booze and book club. And I was like, there's, there's a theme <laughs> with all the book clubs that are doing yeah. this spells love. And yeah. it, the theme is just, exactly who I wrote the book the book for like you know <laughs> the book can't be for every like you can't write a book for everybody but yeah. like when it finds its people I think it finds its people um yeah yeah one of my author friends sent me a note she's like I love the name of this book club and I was like yes like they're they're my people so, it fits it works we yeah, definitely works. we had a really fun time I I was laughing because I received like an advanced copy and I got maybe like three chapters in and I was like oh my gosh I have to put this away because like it has to be a book club book like I cannot read it right now like I have to read it for book club and it was really funny because they sent it with like a margarita mix oh yeah I was like oh absolutely like girls night let's get into it and then I saw it was like a margarita mix for one and I was like okay, even better, I'm going to get drunk on margaritas and read this book. <laughs> and you don't even have to feel guilty about it because you're like, exactly. it's only for one. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm uh, so new to the romance genre. I'm like learning a lot about it from the book club. Like I started it for them because romance readers really wanted one. And I feel like I have learned so much <laughs> in this like year. And I just really... I personally really connected with this book. So thank you. I, it was so lovely to read and I loved, I know the main focus of course is always in romance books is the romantic relationship, but I absolutely adored the relationship between Aunt Libby and Kirsten and um, Gemma. It was like so lovely. Are you in New York? I am. Is everybody, like everybody- like, is everybody local, I'm assuming? Yeah, I was actually, I was looking at it today because um, one of our book clubs might be moving to another venue. And I was kind of trying to figure out where everybody's coming from for that book club to try and look something that's closer. But we have five different book clubs and they are all in different boroughs. One of our book clubs meets around the corner from the Strand. So oh, nice. it's really funny because everyone either comes with like a bag being like, oh, I stopped by the strand on my way <laughs> or they go at the end. It's like, we all know exactly where to find each other. But our next kind of stage right now is 
we're looking into opening a bookstore. So we're trying to find the place that would work best. That's a dream. I think I'd do that. Yeah. I'd love to open a bookstore. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I connected so much with Gemma with her store is because she kind of was, she like committed after realizing, I mean, there was kind of like, she already had it at one point and then realized that she could do it, but no, it's been really interesting. So the podcast is just our next kind of step, I guess. I'm just going to kick off with some of the questions that we have, but I was wondering if you would like to maybe give a little background on how this book came to be. Sure. Um, so I wrote, I, I wrote the spells love, um, sometime in 2021, the pandemic is like a big blur in my mind. It was like after the bread making phase, I like to joke, like I went through the bread making phase and then I decided I was going to write this spells love. Um, and at that time I was watching Shit's Creek. I was watching, all sorts of rom-coms from like the nineties mm-hmm. and early two thousands. And ones that I'd probably watched two or three times before where I knew the ending, I knew exactly what was going to happen, but I just wanted that feeling of, you know, being happy and knowing that everything was going to work out. Okay. Very low angst. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of that happy. What if, and yeah. so then I, I, I wanted to write something to make me feel like that. Because, you know, when I write a book, I spend a lot of time in the characters' heads and I, you know, I take on their moods and I think about them a lot and I really could not handle anything that was too, too angsty. So um, I knew I wanted to write something kind of fun and magical and happy. Um, So I'd always had this idea like about you know, points in your life where you could have gone one way or could have gone another way. Mm-hmm. And the night I met my husband was one of those times where it was just like, at the time it was like, it was a Friday night and, um, I hadn't had big plans for that Friday night. And then I had a friend who was like, Oh, there's this charity ball thing happening. Why don't we all go? My friend's going to be there and he's bringing a bunch of his friends. Like we should all go. Mm-hmm. And we kind of hummed hummed and hawed on what we were going to do. And at the last minute decided to go to this thing where I ended up meeting my husband. And then obviously, you know, my life took a very different path after that night. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was not like, like it it wasn't one of those decisions where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this decision and this is going to happen. It was just like throwaway Friday night plans. And, you know, my life went in a completely different direction. And so I've always thought about, you know, would I have met him otherwise? Like Mm -hmm. it's possible we had similar groups of friends. I could have met him, you know, a month later at something else. Um, We were both doing MBAs at the time. Like we ended up would have, we definitely would have ended up in similar spots. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if we would have gotten together because, you know, life, life is like that. And so I wanted to write a story where a sort of inconsequential night spiraled you know, my main character's life down a different path and then explore that idea of would you have ended up in the same spot if that night didn't happen? That was a really fun part for us for the novel was there's so many good books out there about best friends who have this realization where they are meant to be together or they have really been tiptoeing around this for a very long time. And that really fun thing for us for the reader was that we got to experience them 
almost falling back in love again because it was a different version of Dax and Gemma. Um, was that fun to play around, like choosing between the two realities, like what to change and what to make different? Yeah, that it was fun to kind of figure that out and figure out, you know, how would one little decision make your life that different, even though you're probably a very similar person in the end. So, you know, you probably have similar habits. You probably end up doing similar types of activities, hanging around similar types of people. So, you know, maybe some things stay the same, but other things are are kind of wildly different. So it was fun to kind of go through, okay, if you did this, what would happen here? Or even, you know, if you had a different income, well, then you shop at a different grocery store. And if you, you know, if you don't have this, then maybe you do this activity. So it was really fun to kind of figure out how one choice would actually spiral so many different aspects of somebody's life and how other things would be just so core to it, particularly Gemma's relationships with her sister and her aunt. Like they did not really change. They were the same in both realities. Whereas her life circumstances, where she lived, where she shopped and some of that other stuff was, was very different from the two. Yeah. I was saying, I love the relationship between the sisters. I thought that that was a really just a genuine part of the novel that was so warm to read. And we were really rooting for both of the sisters to come out on top in the end. I really loved where Gemma kind of brought her sister in at the end and how she did that. Um, Of all of the characters, because there is such a unique and fun cast of characters in this book, were there any characters kind of last minute that either they changed what you originally had planned for them or they were involved in a way that you didn't expect? So as I was writing it, Sunny was a big change for me. So when I had originally kind of planned out the plot, Sunny was going to be a potential love interest to Dax Mm -hmm. um, and somebody who foiled Gemma's plans to be with him. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I wrote all the way up to that part where you're introduced to Sunny. And I didn't like, it felt too stereotypical to have sort of like a mean girl. Like she was in my head, she was sort of a stereotypical cardboard mean girl. And it didn't feel right when I started to write her. And I didn't want her to be this, you know, person who got in the way, but I wanted her to, she still had to be an obstacle for Gemma, but I thought, you know what, you know, what's worse than having a girlfriend that's a mean girl is having someone who is a truly wonderful person who you you don't want to, you know, uh, extract them from Dax's life because they're actually really great. And, and you want both of them to have that relationship in their life, but you still are so jealous because they are great. And it becomes a bit of a foil to your romantic or friendship at that point plans. So she was a different... She started off very differently in my head and I love the way that she turned out because I also, you know, when I write female relationships in particular, I think there's a lot of competitive relationships in, in literature and movies where in real life, I think, you know, females lift each other up a lot more than how they are written in, in some movies and television shows and books. And I wanted to reflect that when I was thinking about Gemma and just her initial character, right. When I was coming up with her, I wanted her to be a city girl. And I, you know, I spent my twenties in Toronto and 
I wanted her to be like a smart, savvy city girl. And I know I'm talking to a bunch of city girls right now, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle and you know, your friends are smart your friends are interesting and you have all these things going for you. And I wanted Gemma to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, her and Sunny's relationship and the way Sunny kind of came into the picture is really reflective of how a lot of relationships are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can look at someone like Sunny and go, oh, you know, she's getting my way. I want to get together with Dax, but also, you know, recognize that there's a lot of great qualities about her. And yeah, so she was definitely one. I think Kirsten and Gemma's relationship didn't change a lot from sort of the first draft to how it ended up. But definitely when I um, started working um, with my editor, Emma Caruso at Dial, she really wanted to play up that relationship a little bit more and also give Gemma another reason to go back that wasn't just Dax. So, you know, obviously it's a romance and the relationship is at the core of the book, but it's also about, you know, a woman figuring out her life. And so the sister story was there, but Kirsten's desire to kind of build her own career and start her own business was not actually in my original draft. We, wow. we added that in at the end. The, and that the donut shop in the beginning was <laughs> yeah. actually a really cool modern donut shop um, based off of one in Hamilton, Ontario called... Um, donut monster which makes the best donuts in the whole world (laughs) amazing um but then I had to change it a little bit so when I you know kind of beefed up the Kirsten storyline I made it more of an old-fashioned donut place which there's also a place called granddad's donuts in Hamilton which also has amazing donuts so it kind of worked really well just to convert it from sort of an old-fashioned donut place into something a little bit more modern. That's so cool. Oh yeah, we were talking about, well, so our two topics of conversation was those donuts must have been amazing. Like we kept getting stuff in the donuts. And then the second thing that we have to ask you about is the sneaker store situation, because a bunch of us were like, we didn't realize that sneakers were such a hot commodity, like custom sneakers. We were like, is that like a huge thing? And then we looked up all the sneaker stores in New York and we were like, oh my gosh, wait, people must really love sneakers. How did you, for Dax, like, how did that become his story that he was like a sneaker boy? I have absolutely no idea. I don't. (laughs) Okay. I could not tell you how that came about. I don't know why that popped into my head. I mean, I knew he wanted to be a store owner and, you know, I just started thinking about his personality and he has, he's a little artsy, he's a little this. And I was like, oh, that's what he does. Uh-huh. I must've seen something somewhere. Like there was no other, like donuts. I can tell you the stores I was thinking of. I can tell you the beauty store. Like, do you have a detox market in New York or is that just a... Toronto. So the detox market in Toronto is like a really great clean beauty boutique. It's, it's amazing. And so that was kind of in my head, um, as I was thinking of Gemma's store, but like Dax's, I don't know. There's nothing in real life that it is modeled on. It just, I don't know, came out of the blue. I did some Googling Mm -hmm. and it's funny because you know, I had some friends who read the book early and one friend is in Phoenix and she like sent me a picture. She's like, this is where Dax would work if he lived in Phoenix. And so, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing everywhere. Um, And I had to do some Googling about it because I was like, how much do they cost? Like, what do they look like in the store Um, to figure out how that would work? 
Yeah, we did some Googling as well. And now every time we pass by a sneaker store, we kind of like, like I've started sending photos of sneaker stores to my friends to be like, I found another one. They do exist. They are real. They're like, sometimes the sneakers are like wrapped in plastic because they're like such works of art. I was like, this is a whole new world that we're exploring other yeah. than of course the alternate alternate dimension. But um, that like really hooked us for some reason. We couldn't stop thinking about Dax's like work life, especially as we learn more about him, obviously the the new Dax and the alternate reality. But um, we thought that was a really fun decision and we really liked it. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yeah. It's funny. Um, when I write, I start to crave whatever like food, drink, is in the book. So like I ate a lot of donuts when I wrote this. I ate like I I think I drank oat milk lattes for a year. Okay. <laughs> I'm off the oat milk now, but like I did it for a year. Yeah. You know, Margaret, I mean I drink margaritas all the time. But it's it's funny, like you get into it, my head gets into it and I just crave these things. So that was I I had a lot of I did not get into custom sneakers. I do not own custom sneakers, but yeah. Skincare routine. Like it's funny how I get into these worlds in my head when I'm writing and I just, mm-hmm. yep. Live and breathe it. So, I mean, this is your debut novel and is. this is an amazing debut novel. What was your writing experience like with this, like getting this book out into the world? Was it how you expected or did it kind of become its own thing as it happened? It's been a, a surreal experience from kind of the beginning um, I was not a writer growing up. I was a reader. I read everything like read, 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 but I really didn't like a lot of my friends started off in fan fiction and with, with you know, writing stories. Um, I have a business degree. Like I did not write until I started working in sort of a corporate role and I got into sort of business writing and I would write funny corporate business mm-hmm. stuff. And people would give me feedback being like, oh, this is good. Like, I like this. (laughs) After I had my second son, I had a bit of a existential crisis when I went back to work. And I was like, oh God, is this all I do until I die? Like, this is the rest of my life. And I thought, you know what? I need something. Like, I need a creative outlet that lets me do something that makes me happy. And so I started writing. And it was five and a half years ago I started writing. So not that long ago. Oh, yeah. Um, And then I wrote a couple of really terrible attempts at books. And then I wrote this one and it happened like it was slow, slow, slow until this book came along and then everything moved very, very fast. And I, you know, I got a great deal and like all of the wild dreams I had when I thought maybe I could write a book all of a sudden just started to happen. Like I saw my book in a bookstore. I saw my book in an airport. It was just like, I still look at things happening and go, I, I don't quite believe that that has happened. It's, it's bonkers sometimes to, um, see how, how well it's done and, and that it's out in the world the way it is. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fun experience and it's always like whenever people say, Oh, I, I thought about writing a book, but I don't know if I can do it. It's not impossible. Like, you know, you can, it takes time. It's not, it's not something you do quickly, but but it is possible. And I think if you've got passion for it and it's something that brings you true joy, um, you can write a book. Yeah. That's a conversation that we have a lot at book club. So we read all debut novels. So um, one of the conversations that we have come up a lot is we've noticed sort of there's a difference and you can kind of tell in the books, there's a difference between people who they write a book because 
they want to be an author and that's, you know, like where they see their life going. And then there's other books where it's like somebody wrote a book because they wanted to tell a story and they wanted to share that story. And both books come to the same point in the end where it's like everyone at the end becomes the author that they were meant to be and the story that they were meant to tell. And um, I read this book after being in my friend's wedding and I was running off maybe like two hours of sleep in the process of like an entire week. And I just, I think the story, even though it is fun and quirky and sexy and, you know, it's very unique, it still is such a warm and very self-centered novel that makes you kind of question like, yeah, I, I can do more in life if I really put my mind to it. And we just, we really loved that. That really stood out to a lot of us, especially those of us who are in our, you know, mid to late twenties, you know, in that next phase of life where we're kind of like, yeah, why didn't we do that? Maybe we should revisit that. I have a few questions from the book club that I just want to make sure that I get in. Um, somebody asked, what was your writing process like in the first book? So like you said, you know, you were craving things while you were writing. That was really fun. Did you switch up your writing process as the book progressed or did you kind of stick with the same schedule? For this book, I think I wrote the first draft in just under three months and I gave myself a word. So I am really rule oriented. I'm a firstborn <laughs> child. Like yeah. I'm a type A, like I am the stereotype. So I was, you know, 1500 words a day. Like you can see, like, this is, this is me writing now. Like I have my word count goals <laughs> in front of me and I love crossing them off when I hit them. Yeah. And so with that book, I was just like, this is the word count, go, 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 go. And got that one done in about three months and then fixed it up a little bit, got some feedback from my peers and then um, from my agent. And then it was a pretty quick, like it was pretty quick from writing it to getting it out on sub. I think it was about six months from writing it to sub. Like it was very, very, very fast. I just finished the second, my second book, which will come out in September. And it probably took me a year and a half from first starting to write it to it being done. And it was a completely different experience. I did a lot more outlining, um, but the first draft of that one just didn't work. Like it did not work. There were so many things about it. I think I was trying too hard to do certain things. It just didn't flow the way I wanted it to flow. And I had to completely rewrite it. And it was like, it was a grind to get it out. And I, like there were certain parts and chapters where I was like, I cannot read this again. If I have to read this again in my life, like it will be too soon. Um, Please buy it. Like, but yeah, like, and it was a completely different process. And then this, I'm on book three right now. So I'm writing book three. I'm about 55,000 words in. And this one, I've done a ton of plotting. Again, I'm back to that word count thing. But I'm giving myself a little more grace and saying, okay, let's lower the word count to about a thousand Monday to Friday. So let's get 5,000 done in a week and let's spend my extra time going through and making sure that the story is really working, going back instead of just grinding a draft out. Mm -hmm. So my process has changed from book to book. I have no idea what the right process is. Um, I think it's one of those things where you know, maybe it takes another five books before I figure it out. Maybe I never figure it out. We shall see. But it's definitely different from book to book, um, how I write and what I do. I, I definitely think word count goals are my are my friend. It's what motivates me, like crossing off that 
that yeah. line is something that just gives me pleasure. So I think that yeah. will continue, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a process and, you know, I'm still a baby writer. I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. We have a writing group. That's part of our book club. It's like, okay. a do you have any advice for them as like aspiring writers who are working on their first manuscripts? Find, I mean, this is kind of a moot point, but find people that can go on your journey with you and make sure some of them are better writers than you. And some of them are earlier in the writing journey than you, because like, that's how, that's, that's how I think most of the successful writers I know have gotten to where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, They find their community, people help each other out and you learn from each other. You learn from helping others who are not quite as far along as you, you learn from those that are ahead of you, you know, ways to level up your writing. And I think that's something that I would, you know, when anyone starts writing, that's the first thing I say, like, are you on Twitter? You know, find a discord, like find a local writing group. Like there's lots of different ways of doing it. And if you're, you know, if you're really introverted, you can do everything on the internet. If you live in the middle of nowhere, you can do everything on the internet. There are tons of communities out there and the writing community, especially the romance writing community, but I would say the writing community as a whole Mm-hmm. is really, really wonderful. You know, there are writers um, and that I've met actually locally through Toronto that are just extremely successful and so far ahead of in their careers when I was just starting out. And the advice and help that they would give me just really not knowing me, not knowing who I was, but just the fact that I'd identified as a new writer. I have never encountered people like that in another industry or in another community. Yeah. The writing community is just incredible. And there's lots of mentorship programs out there. There's lots of, you know, whether it's looking at 10 pages or your whole manuscript, like beta matching programs, CP finding groups, like you got to dig a little, get in there on Twitter, you know, find out where the right group is for you. But that's, you know, that's been the biggest help, I think, to my writing is just having people around me that are willing to help me out. And I would say, you know, other than my Toronto group, um, that I know and spend time with in person, mm-hmm. the majority of my writing friends are people I've never met before. Like I'm in, like, I have a CP who mm-hmm. I talk to like many times a week and <laughs> like, you know, I would drop everything and fly across the country if she needed me and we have never met in person. It's, it's wild. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, I think my advice for anybody starting out. Also, The other thing too about writing is you can be so, so, so incredibly talented. You can have an amazing manuscript and sometimes it's just timing, Mm. um, you know, hitting a trend at the right time. Like I will, I will admit I hit, um, when this spells love went out on sub Ashley Constance, um, dead romantics had really taken off. Mm -hmm. And so there was this kind of niche contemporary with a little bit of otherness that was becoming a thing. And I hit the trend at the right time. Yeah. This spells love, you know, if, if, if that trend starts to dip back down and, and all of a sudden I had the same book, but tried to put it out on sub when the, when the downswing was happening mm-hmm. may not have had nearly, you know, the same opportunities as it did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your manuscript is not being bought, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the time it's timing and luck and hold on to it, write something else, write something different, keep writing as long as it's bringing you joy. Um, 
and maybe you know everything comes in and out like vampires come in and out like you know what I mean like monster romance if someone had said if like I don't know three years ago even like I'm gonna write a romance about minotaurs people would be like no one's ever gonna buy that and now people like read it in public fine. exactly yeah like, and it, like it's 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 timing. It's market timing. So yeah, don't get discouraged. Don't like, there are lots of paths to getting your book out there. Traditional publishing is not the only one, you know, especially with romance, like indie has a place and people love romance and read a lot of indie romance. And there's, you know, fabulous indie authors that have never done trad. There's a lot of ways to be successful and get your book out there. So, you know, go for what you want to go for, but realize that like, there's plenty of pathways. And I think that's when I started writing, I went, you know what, no matter what happens with this book, I can get it published. Like whether I use my marketing skills and go indie, whether I go traditional, like I know I can achieve the end goal. I can cross it off my list. I got to be open to whichever path feels right. Speaking of trends that you hit perfectly, have you been hearing about these Sephora, these like 10 year old girls at Sephora? Strong elephant. Yes. Yes. Okay. That I feel like was hitting right around the time that we like discussed this for book club. And we were like, oh my gosh, like how would Gemma have dealt with these 10 year olds at Sephora? Like, cause those oh girls God. came in and she had kind of that moment where she totally. was like, I'm so cool. And then she was like, those little shits, like, yeah. like, how do you think Gemma would deal with 10 year olds? Oh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to like, I, I don't think I could ever write Gemma to be able to deal with that. But <laughs> I, Oh my God. These 10 year olds using retinol. And I'm like, guys, your skin is retinol. Like it just, it sheds itself. It's young skin. Like that's, it, it blows my mind. I probably would have been a 10 year old trying to buy a drunk elephant knowing me, but like, yeah, she, like, she would have had no patience for it. She probably would have put a sign out front being like 18 plus. Um, <laughs> must have parent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Must have parent. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't discover retinol, I think until I was like 18, 19, like, and even then, like, I feel like I maybe should have known about it, but like, oh, I was in my thirties. So don't. <laughs> I don't use it as much as I probably should. My skincare routine is terrible. I definitely was inspired by this to like re-address it maybe. But yeah, we were laughing about that because we were like, I feel like she might've made Dax like via security guard. Oh she, yeah. You have to stand here and be super nice to these kids, but turn them away. Yes. Yes. She would have not have had it. We have a technical question for you because we couldn't stop going back to it, especially towards the end. And everybody who is here has read this book. So I'm, there's not going to be any spoilers or situations. When, when Gemma, you probably have gotten this a lot. When Gemma goes to this alternate reality, does that version of her in this other alternate reality go back to her? Like, do they swap or like, what does that matter? Should we be, I was like really thinking hard about this. So in my head, mm-hmm. the other reality cease, ceases to exist. Okay. Like in my head, because I also like, I, at my core just want happily ever afters for everybody all the time. Yeah. So in my head, like she goes to this alternate reality and it's as if life has completely changed for everyone. So in my mind, everybody goes back. Um, okay. That makes me very happy. Cause I was really concerned. Yeah. Like I was concerned that like, she would have just left Dax there. And then this other version of her comes back and is like, I don't It'd even be terrible. You. Yes. Yeah. And 
and, oh, that sweet baby angel. Like, and he has no store and no yes. girlfriend, and he's living in a basement. Like, Cordax, no, that that in my head, and I, I'm the boss of this book, so right. this is what happens. That other reality ceases to exist. They all go back, and they all end up super happy. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for clarifying. Yeah. I was really concerned. <laughs> But except for Aunt Livy, who seems to know maybe like a little bit more than she should. Was that fun to kind of play around with that mystical element with her? That was another one where I always like I always um, had Aunt Livy like in my head, Aunt Livy kind of knew what was going on the entire time. She was where her entire book club were like a, a coven of witches and like they all were doing stuff. Yeah. Their we, own thing. We need to step up our game. Like we were like, we need to be this book club. <laughs> it seems like so much fun. <laughs> I didn't, and in my head, she knew what was going on the whole entire time. That was another one where when I started working with Emma, she was like, we need to step up Aunt Libby, like just a little more, like just more hints. And I was like, I'm good with this. I will. And I think there were a couple of little things. Like I think I added, um, when Jenna gets on the train and Aunt Libby hands her two cups of coffee, like that was another one. I just kind of, kind of snuck in there because she knew it was going to happen. She like, she, she just had a sense. So maybe not exactly how everything was playing out. But she was like, as soon as Gemma was like, this is what's happened. She's like, yeah, of course it has. Like, yeah, I know, but you got to figure it out. I'm not going to tell you, you got to figure it out and you will be better for it. So was Aunt Libby's bookstore based off of a bookstore or did it kind of come to you? It, it existed in my head. It's not, it wasn't in my mind based off a bookstore that I knew of. Um, I, I started looking for pictures of like creepy old bookstores and I, like, I could just see it happening, parts of it happening in my head. But here's the hilarious thing. Hess Street. So where Gemma and Dax go on their date, mm-hmm. that first date, yes. um, is in a place called Hess Village in Hamilton. And that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, the two places or the the bar that they were going to go to I changed the name but it also exists but it's not a big area like it's a bit of a a strip of bars and restaurants and I went there because I had my book launch party there and so I went in the summer to like check out where we would have it and there was like a creepy old magical bookstore like right there on the corner that was not there the last time I was there and I was like what is going on with the universe? Manifested a bookstore. I think so. I think I might have. I love that. Um, Did you go in? No, because it was nighttime and it was closed. I don't think I can ever go in. I feel like if I go into this bookstore and it's not as magical as it is in my head, it will ruin it for me. So I just want to keep it perfectly magical. And so therefore I will never go into it. That's amazing though. Yeah. Can you manifest my bookstore? <laughs> I, I will. Like, I, I believe, yeah, I believe I'll come. That will give me an excuse to come to New York because I really would like to go back to New York. So I will come. Yay. We would love, yeah. we would love to have you, honestly. Yeah, I will come. That will be so much fun. I always like to ask, is there anything right now that you are reading that you would recommend or anything that you've read recently that you can't stop thinking about? So when I draft, I read murder books because- oh. I like to just do the opposite of what I'm doing. I also feel like I kind of want to write one one day soon. And so I'm trying to figure out what I like. Like I, when I started writing romance, I read a hundred romance books. <laughs> yeah. Not, no exaggeration. Like I just read a hundred and I was like, what do I like in a book? 
So yeah. now I'm doing the same with kind of murdery, thrillery books. What did I just finish? I I went through Megan Miranda's entire backlist. I love her. I love her. Oh. I think my favorite one was all the all the missing all the missing girls, the missing girl one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. That's the one at the amusement park. Yes. 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 Ferris oh. That one is so good. Yes. Yeah. Love that. There's also a little bit of romance in it, which yeah. I think I liked it too. So I've I've been going through her list. What did I just read? I just read one, The House Across the Lake. Oh, Riley Sager. Yeah, it took that, yeah. it took a turn that I wasn't There's an interesting normal element to that one that kind yeah. of was weird. It caught me off guard. Yeah. And I like I have just been. I go on Instagram and whenever someone's like, I love this book, I just like take a picture of it and then I just read it without reading the back of it. So I don't ever know what I'm getting into. And then it's kind of fun to see. So I wasn't expecting that little twist on that one, um, but it was really well written. Like, yeah, I was, I was into a lot of things in that book. Yeah. I have read all of Riley Sager. I'm a huge murder mystery reader. So like, that's my number one go-to. Um, I think his best book is his most recent one. The last one left. That one's okay. One left. Yeah. I was just gonna say, and anything else you think I should read? Because I'm on a kick right now. We are actually doing a readathon right now, like an old school month long readathon. And so I haven't been reading as much, but I've been looking at what everyone's tracking their reading, and I love being nosy, and it's very fun to like see what people are reading. A lot of people are reading Percy Jackson right now because the show. Is oh coming. yeah. We're watching, I have a son and we're watching that show religiously. I love it. I don't have a son, but I grew up with those books and I've been watching it religiously. So it's been obsessive, but a lot of people are reading that. Um, a lot of people are reading The Fury, which is the new um, Alex, is it Mike Ledis book? Oh, yes. 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 Um, a lot of people, I think, got that through Book of the Month and have yeah. just tearing through it right now. I wasn't as big a fan of The Maidens, but I thought The Silent Patient was warped and wild and crazy yeah yeah it kept um, me on my toes but um we have one question from Kaylin who says is your next release connected to the same world as this spells love are you allowed to say that of course and I'm gonna I'm gonna totally talk about it because <laughs> even though I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to no I am it's fine no <laughs> one's gonna get mad at me okay. um so my next book is called primetime romance and it is not connected to this one so it's the plot of Pleasantville but make it Dawson's Creek so it is about a woman who is recently divorced young in her 20s being like how am I divorced in my 20s and just not having a great time with her life she's another city girl and she as a coping mechanism binges like a Dawson's Creek WB One Tree Hill like pretty little liars type show. And she's obsessed with it. And she just watches reruns from like her teen years and thinks that it's the most idyllic place and has the most idyllic relationships. And she just is like, I wish my life was like that. Mm -hmm. And then spoiler alert, she and her roommate, um, Josh gets sucked into this um, show where they are sort of the bad boy character and the good girl character. And they obviously need to figure out how to get home, but there's all sorts of things that are all the best, like 
plots of your favorite WB type shows sort of occur while they are stuck in this show and need to get home. So that's the plot. So it's got like a similar feel to yeah. The Spells Love and that the characters are very contemporary, normal people that are like, what the heck just happened here? Yeah. Um, but it's not obviously based on real life. There's some lightly magical, paranormally Love elements that. to it. Yeah. I have a movie recommendation for you based off of that. If, okay. Okay. So um, I grew up in the age of the like Disney Channel original movies. Okay. Really big for me. And the last one that I saw that my friend and I may have been a, like a little too old for, but still was obsessed with is this movie called Teen Beach Movie. Okay. And it is unhinged and insane. And basically she's like supposed to be moving and she like doesn't want to leave her best friend and they're like surfer kids and they have this like movie that they really love and it's called like teen beach movie I think or like surfs up or something with surfing or like I don't know I like to surf and they end up in the movie and it's I love it. this like whole like and it's very like wholesome and it also is a musical um but yeah if you <laughs> want to watch teen beach movie you, have, you <laughs> have sold me like on like four different points there <laughs> yeah. I've <laughs> the title, the musical, the beachy Disney, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's really chaotic. Um, and I've gone back and watched it again recently. And I was like, this holds up. Like, like I was really concerned, but it does well. I'd highly recommend um, Primetime Romance has a Miss Lobster Fest pageant. So like, I feel like it's the same kind of vibes where yeah. it's just a little unhinged. Like I- That's perfect. A unhinged writing this. So yeah. That's so fun. I am also doing a rewatch right now of Schitt's Creek. And so I feel like I have been trying to find books like Schitt's Creek. Do you, are there any books that give the same vibes? To oh, what have I read? Oh, there, um, there's one coming out this year. It's by an author named Ellie Palmer. It's a debut. Okay. Debut book club, write this one down. Okay. <laughs> it is called Four Weekends and a Funeral. Okay. And it is so, so witty, so funny. So like, I thought about that book for I days and days fun. and days. It, yeah. it would be ideal if you liked this one, like she is so talented. Um, so that one, I would definitely put on, on your list. I have already just put that down on my want to read. Well, I have asked everything and more that I want to ask. Where should people find you online? I'm on Instagram. I tried the TikTok thing. I will go back to the TikTok thing eventually, but it's just, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but I'm on Instagram pretty regularly. It's Kate underscore Rob underscore writes. I think if you just search Kate Rob, you'd probably come across me, but yeah, I do spend quite a bit of time there. I do. I am on Twitter, but not very much lately. I think I have an account on every single app that exists. Every yeah. time something becomes a thing, I make one and then I never go back. But Instagram <laughs> is a great spot if you're looking for me. And I'm pretty good at answering messages pretty quickly. So um, if you do read Four Weekends at a Funeral and you want to talk about it, just ping me and I will, we will talk. So yeah, I will yeah. want to write you everything and all my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I'm excited. Well, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. This has been really, really lovely. I cannot thank you enough. All right. You know where to find Kate online, not in person. Um, please don't stalk anybody. But that's all I have for tonight. Thank you again to Kate. If you ever want to do like the drunk literature one, like give me a call again. Oh, 
<laughs> oh, I will. I'm in. I am in. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very All much. Right. Have a good, good night, night everybody. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. In the meantime, I hope you're reading something good. If you're reading something shitty, I can't wait to hear about it. Support the St. Martin's Press boycott. And from one book ho to another, thanks for being here. And we'll talk to you next week.